All right, Christy, I've got all my research together. I can't wait to talk on our podcast about X-Men. Men. X-Men. No, 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 no. No, you said research X-Men. Nate, Nate Gray? No, X-Men. Not X-Men. Oh, oh boy. Well, we can salvage this, right? Um, It's got to be a story with Nate Gray? No, not even a little bit. Oh. Well, did you do a little research? You know I did. Well, I guess we should talk about X-Men. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. All right, readers. So this is something that we're trying that's a little bit new. Well, not new to the world of podcasting, but new to us. We are trying out a zero episode for our arc covering the X-Men crossover, The Phalanx Covenant. Yeah, because it turns out X-Men's kind of complicated. Yeah, a whole lot. So much so that there's a podcast dedicated just to that. Yeah, so if you want a really good intro to the X-Men and then like an incredibly exhaustive deep dive of the X-Men, check out Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, which is um, a podcast that is kind of an idol of ours. (laughs) But... Instead, in this little Zero episode, we're going to give you a crash course on all of the X-Men that are important in the Phalanx Covenant. Which is actually shockingly few of X-Men that you probably know. (laughs) Right, right. So we we pride ourselves on being pretty accessible to any level of comic book reader. For those of you guys that are already super familiar with the X-Men, feel free to skip this and dive right into episode one. No, how dare you skip this? We are delightful. That's true, too. So we don't have a summary because we're not digging into issues yet, but we're going to go ahead and group these characters in the arc of the event that they appear. Yes. If people really don't know X-Men, do we want to like give a really short rundown? Of what X-Men are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the X, you know, your sister might be listening to this. (laughs) That's true. Readers, fun tidbit. My older sister legitimately asked us the question, so are comic books still being made? So there are some people with that level of knowledge that listen to our podcast. True. So, X-Men. So the X-Men, the whole concept behind them is they're a group of mutants. And whereas there's people like Iron Man, whose power comes from a suit, and Spider-Man, who got bit by radioactive spider. Or Superman, who's an alien. Yes. Although there are alien mutants. (laughs) Maybe we're getting a little (laughs) bit ahead of ourselves. X-Men are born with their powers. They have what's called the X gene. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times it doesn't manifest until they're, like, teenagers, like, in puberty. Not always the case, though. Not always the case, though. And now it's, like, getting... It seems like... It's, like, the the exception that proves the rule. Like, it's it's almost as as much exception as it is rule. But anyway. So they're they're a group of heroes who, who fight a world... Or fight to save a world that hates and fears them. So the whole deal is they are kind of... 
they are kind of a stand-in for various minorities in metaphor form. Yeah. People yeah. use the term mutant metaphor to to describe the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so that comes up a lot. They're feared because they're different. Right. So yeah, they are very they're very much that way. It's just instead of any sort of prejudices that the normal world has, it's prejudices against people with powers. Mhm. And that metaphor is sometimes useful and then sometimes it's kind of kind of strange it it like halfway works again if you want more about the mutant metaphor i would really listen to jay and miles i think they get into it better than i probably could but in general that's the whole deal with mutants is that a lot of times they're sort of fighting for survival Mm -hmm. in a world that doesn't really like them which is why it resonates with so many people Mm -hmm. and the way we get the name x-men comes from a particular group of mutants organized by Charles Xavier. Xavier, yes. So that that's where we get the X in X-Men. Also, because it's the X gene. It, it comes up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so not all mutants are X-Men, but all X-Men are mutants? Uh, I'm, I've, I'm well, not going to no, necessarily gonna... make that Well, yeah, because we're going to talk about somebody who works pretty closely with the X-Men that is not a mutant. In general, mutants are X-Men. Or X-Men or Mutants. Yes. 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 Okay. All right. Let's get into our specific characters. All right. So let's go ahead and start with Final Sanction. All right. So Final Sanction is not necessarily chronologically first. Uh, All of these arcs take place concurrently. Yes. So Final Sanction is just what we are covering first in podcast form. So... The big four, I feel like each arc kind of has like a big four that are, that are like our main dudes with, you know, some and others duets. and some, some, yeah, yeah, dudes and duets. Final sanction, we have Scott Summers, Gene Gray, mm-hmm, uh-huh. uh, James Howlett, and Nathan Summers. Oh God, James, we could just call him Logan. He's <laughs> not called Logan, James Howlett. <laughs> So you're going to say all their all their shoot names. Yeah, as we get into each one. Oh, okay. So it's probably actually really convenient to talk about Scott Summers, Jean Grey, and Nathan Summers almost in one chunk. They are one big happy family. They are one big happy family, which we'll get into. But let's go ahead and start with your fave, Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops. Cy- Cyclops, yeah. So we're going to discuss which team, if any these mutants are on, their powers and abilities, any relevant backstory going into this crossover, and some fun trivia as well. Oh my goodness. So I am I am uh I'm very new to Christie's research, so I will be experiencing it in real time as you all are. <laughs> some of this I've shared with you as I've been researching like, oh, did you know? Did you know? <laughs> Christie's been my fun fact X Men person. Mm-hmm. So the first the first thing that you may or may not know about X-Men, depending on your, your level of knowledge here, is that there are more than one X-Men team. And this is going to be super, super important to know for this crossover, because 
Yeah, by Phalanx Covenant, there's an absolute ton of them. Mm-hmm. It started with just one team, and it was one team for a good amount of time. Right. So, Scott Summers, Cyclops, at this point, is on the X-Men blue team. Right. There's a blue and gold of even just the main X-Men right. group. Right. And his wife, Jean Grey, is on the gold team. Yes. It's strange. They're recently married. Recently. Very recently, as we're going to discuss. In... In this story. Mm-hmm. We're, we're specifically referring to this story. Yes, yes. This this story. So what we're talking about right now might not necessarily be true in present day comics. What we're talking about right now is the case in 1994 when the Phalanx Covenant was coming out. Yeah. Not only are Gene and Scott not married in current comics, but also one of them is dead and one of them just came back to life. So... <laughs> <laughs> Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, powers his optic blasts. They're not laser beams. No. So Scott Summers has a ruby quartz visor that he wears because his power is shooting concussive force from his eyeballs. Yeah, like constantly. Constantly. It shouldn't have been that way, but like an accident caused some problems. And Yeah, he has a very specific form of brain damage, mm-hmm. apparently, that is optic blast related. That Jean, I believe Jean Grey at one point was able to somewhat, like, not permanently re- reverse, but with her telepathy, she was able to, like, stop it for a little bit so, like, they could actually look at each other. Several telekinetics and telepaths have been able to shut off his powers. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about Scott Summers, his Mm. eyes are basically solar batteries. His optic blasts are powered by the sun. Yes. However, the 1983 official Marvel handbook gets this wrong when it says his beams are from another dimension, a mistake that is repeated after that as well. So at one point, it it was published that these optic blasts were coming from another dimension. His eyes were portals. I am fairly certain that's still canon. Because people call it the punch dimension, <laughs> but it it's not it's not it's not true. Is it's it not wrong. True? It's wrong. It was incorrectly published. Okay, readers, has... if if this is still canon, let us know. Because I think you're right that it was incorrectly published, but I think it also is just like it's just okay, okay. But what it is supposed to be is that his eyes are powered by the sun. Right. They're they're, they're solar battery. So Cyclops and Superman basically the same. Okay, so before we get into any relevant backstory about Cyclops, let's go ahead and talk about Jean Grey. The big thing that she was first known for was the telekinesis. Yep. And she's also a telepath. True. And she also has, like, empathy power. She can manipulate other people's feelings. Oh, man. So she has, like, an etouffee, a holy etouffee trinity of powers. Why are you going to make me hungry like that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fun fact about Jean Grey. When she was first introduced as Marvel Girl, she had only telekinetic powers. Yes. Which was kind of boring. That's not why she was boring. It's because she was written (laughs) by dudes who didn't know how to write ladies. And it's just like, Jean Grey is the girl. (laughs) The girl. All right. Nathan Summers, a.k.a. Cable. Well, yeah. Nathan, Christopher, Charles, Dayspring, Ascani Sun, Summers. Yes. Okay. You got the full name. I did it. Kudos. Also known as Cable. And he was previously on X-Force, but is has his own his own title. Now. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's currently on X-Force in this comic. Well, no. He left. He left the team. He left the team? He was, he was the leader and he left. Oh. 
Okay. I didn't know if it was just he's for this do- crossover, he, but thank he, you. Well, he's got his own title. He's got cable. He's not... Yeah, Wolverine had his own title and was also on TV, uh, so I didn't know. But No, I believe... I could be wrong, but I believe from my research that he is not on X-Force right now. He okay. Mm-hmm. So, his powers... He's got quite a few. He's telepathic. Yep. Telekinetic. Yep. He can also do time travel. And he has a techno-organic physiology. So yeah, he, he's got a which, metal arm. Yeah, it gives him superhuman endurance, speed, agility, dexterity. So he's got a cybernetic eye, arm, and some cybernetic restoration as well. Right. But doesn't he have to keep a lot of that in check with his telekinesis? Yeah, otherwise it would take over his whole body. Yeah. yeah. That's no good. It's not good. He got the transmode virus. Mm-hmm. Which... Kind of comes into play in this crossover, well, but maybe not as much yes. as it should. We're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about that. So, okay, um, sorry. oh, let's do his fun fact before we get into all of his backstory with Jean Grey and Cyclops because uh, it's crazy. How do you pick just one? So, fun fact: uh, when Cable was introduced in the New Mutants, Cable was not intended to be Nathan Summers, right? And this was established in X Factor. I don't even know if he was supposed to necessarily be a mutant at first. I feel like in his first appearance, which I read, he's just a gunman. From the future. He's a sh- shooty gunman. Mm-hmm. So, Nathan recently discovered that he was Cyclops and Madeline Pryor's child. Yeah, who's Madeline Pryor, Christy? So, we've got a fun bit of backstory with Jean Grey here. Uh, while um, Scott Summers believed Jean Grey was dead for a period of time, he married a woman called Madeline Pryor who was, unbeknownst to him and unbeknownst to her, uh, a clone of Jean Grey. Man, talk about having a type. Right. And together, they had a son named Nathan. And Madeline and Scott, they separated after Jean Grey was revealed to be alive. Yeah, and Cyclops literally just was like, well, bah. Yeah, things got really complicated. It's very bad. It's like the worst Cyclops has ever been. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Eventually, after a lot of drama that doesn't necessarily play into the story, Madeline died, or maybe died, leaving Jean and Scott to take care of Nathan. Yep. Which they do uh, for a while. Nathan even comes with uh, Cyclops on some, some missions and things. and He is... He, he, in a little bubble. Mm-hmm. Because he's got some... He's got he's got his powers, so he keeps himself safe in the little horse field shield thing. Yeah, he's a little bubble baby. <laughs> but then he becomes infected with the techno-organic virus. So, they had to make a tough choice. And Scott chose to send him to the future where there was a chance that he could be cured. Yes. So, you know, he's, he's got to look out for his babe. Yep. So, he sends him to the future. And, a choice we all must make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Nathan eventually returns to the present as Cable. Yes. And that's where we, you know, we meet Cable. Everything. Then Jean and Scott get married. Yes. Yes. Rachel Summers, Scott and Jean's daughter from an alternate timeline, a different one. Mm-hmm. Who had been sent to the future? Yes. Comes back to the present uh-huh. to bring Gene and Scott's consciousness yep. to the future mm-hmm. to raise Nathan. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that's detailed in a little miniseries called The Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Which is super important to the Phalanx Covenant because 
Well, it gives you the relevant flashbacks. You can read Phalanx Covenant without that, but it really helps going in to know. I feel like it would have been difficult without the internet. So imagine you've sent your child to the future for, for a cure to whatever disease that they're suffering. And then you meet an adult person who you have no idea is your child that has come back to the past. Not just an adult, someone who's older than you. Someone who is older than you. And then you are told by somebody from the future, hey, you have to come to the future and raise this this child into the man that you've already met. Mm-hmm. So, yes, definitely confusing. X-Men, y'all. <laughs> So at this point, Scott and Jean have just returned to the present after spending 12 years, their consciousness, not their bodies, 12 years in the future raising their son. Because superheroes must remain young. (laughs) Now, Cable also has some stuff that's been going on leading into this. He's only recently discovered uh, that he was Cyclops and Madeline Pryor's child. He thought for the longest time that he was a clone of their child, who he believed was a uh, a a guy named Strife. Right, where it turns out Strife, Strife is, is the, the clone. clone. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Good, that's good, Christy. So Strife had recently been killed, but his consciousness actually has remained a part of Cable. Oh, or it did, uh, but Strife decided to leave uh, after <laughs> after Cable discovered that Strife was the clone. Strife couldn't deal with it, and his consciousness <laughs> left. Your head sucks. I'm out. <laughs> And Cable also got really upset with Cyclops the night before he and Jean got married because he sees a vision in the danger room of Cyclops giving away Cable as a baby to Mother Ascani to go to the to the future. Uh-huh. And he thought Cyclops seemed pretty happy and, like, was not a difficult choice for him to make. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but then he realized that afterwards, like, after he gave him up, he was really broken up about it. So, like, in the moment, it was maybe an easy choice. But he had a lot of a lot of regrets, a lot of feels about it. So they've kind of, they kind of patched up. Yep. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Nathan knows about his parentage. He knows he is not a clone. Uh-huh. But he does not know that Cyclops and Jean Grey went to the future and raised him. Yes. So, confused yet? <laughs> No, I'm good. You're good. Because <laughs> you already knew this. That was more a question for you, readers. All right. So the other major player in the uh, final sanction is Logan Wolverine. So at this point, Wolverine's gone solo. And you're going to find out more about why he's gone solo when we get into his relevant backstory. But let's talk about his awesome powers. Um, being in six titles at one time. That is a pretty cool power. Um, but he's most known for his regenerative regenerative healing factor. That's very true. Mm-hmm. He also has he's like superhuman in his his strength, speed, durability, stamina, reflexes, agility. He can pretty much withstand any kind of weather. He's empathic with animals. Yeah, that's weird, but yeah, kind of true. Very acute senses, and he's got retractable bone claws. Yes. Now you know what you're saying, readers. You're like, no, Wolverine's got adamantium claws. So, during an encounter with Magneto, Magneto removed the adamantium from Wolverine's skeleton, which severely damaged Wolverine's healing factor, and feeling pretty useless, Wolverine left the X-Men. Wah, wah. Yep. So, at this point, he doesn't heal quite as super well, and he's got bone claws. Bone claws. Yeah. Now, fun fact about Wolverine. 
According to Len Wein, the adamantium claws were only in the gloves when he first created the character. And the claws were retractable. They were telescoping and they would fit back into the casing of the gloves. Another fun fact. One of the initial intentions tensions by Cockrum and Claremont when Chris Claremont took over the book from Len Wein was to make Wolverine an evolved Wolverine. But Stanley nixed the idea. Maybe, maybe a good idea, Stan. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I would have dealt with him being like an evolved little, little mammal. <laughs> All right. So those are the big four major players. We, in this... We see some other X-Men as well. We see Psylocke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Betsy Braddock. Yep. Do you know her powers? She is telepathic. And uh, she will eventually develop telekinesis, but she doesn't have it at this point. Uh-huh. She has uh, some precognition as well and is a mas- master martial artist. Fun fact about her is that she is the victim of some body swapping. You want to talk a little bit more about her body swapping? Uh, Psylocke Betsy Braddock was body swapped with an Asian woman named Quanin. It's it's real problematic. Uh, <laughs> it was not originally that way. It was originally that the individual who kidnapped her like just like altered her features to make her look Asian. But then they were later like, nope, it's body swapped. Mm-hmm. She is the twin of Captain Britain, who we will talk about later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Original body twin, though. I mean, I guess you're still a twin, but like... Right. <laughs> uh, in Final Sanction, we see some of the other X-Men as well. We see uh, Bishop. Uh, we see Beast. Yeah. Um, We get Storm in there. Yeah, I think you maybe just see Angel. Mm-hmm. So we, we see some of the other X-Men, but they're not... They're not big players. No, they are very small-time players in mm-hmm. this. So we, we wanted to focus on the ones that you would encounter the most. Yes. Now, in that, we also, or in Final Sanction, we also encounter some big bads. Who do we encounter, Christy? Stephen Lang and Cameron Hodge. They're robot boys. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. Well, Stephen Lang once made robots, so he's a robot yes. boy. <laughs> So, Stephen Lang uh, had been in a vegetative state after a battle between the X-Men and the Sentinels uh, mm-hmm. left him lobotomized. Uh, yeah. So, that's the last time we'd seen him leading up to this. Yep. He's the creator of the MK3 Sentinels, the X-Sentinels, and he's a longtime X-Men villain. Yeah, the X-Sentinels were just X-Men robots. Yeah, they just looked like like, like body doubles. Like, you, you, you didn't know. Is it... Was it was it the actual original X Men? No, of course it was. And Cameron Hodge, um, he's a jerk. He he's a piece of work. So he was. He's a rapscallion. <laughs> so Cameron Hodge is Archangel's former roommate. Yes, from college. Mm-hmm, from college, and he pretended to be buds with them for a long time, but he did some really bad stuff. He killed Candy Southern, Archangel's girlfriend. Yes. He made a pact with a demon. Um, how do you say the demon's name? It's just nastier. Nastier. It's not quite nastier. <laughs> so he made this pact for immortality, but Archangel beheads Hodge. So then his head's immortal. Yeah, his head's immortal. So he exists as a severed head with the mechanical spider spider body. Yeah, and then eventually gets turned into a phalanx. Yes. So 
there's there's quite a bit of history there. Yeah, and now he's got like weird robot dreads in this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a strange man. So those are the big bads you need to know about. Yeah. Maybe even for the entire crossover? Yeah. We have some other like phalanx entities, but none that have like a history that you need to know about going in. They're all pretty well just introduced. Here's a phalanx. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. So generation next. Generation yes. So you might say that Generation Next is the whole reason that we're covering this crossover because I got to pick what we did next. Haha. <laughs> and well, I, I, I got to pick whatever X-Men thing we did next. Chris chose X-Men and I was like, I want something with Emma Frost. So I just did some Googling and I was like, Phalanx Covenant? Well, I guess I'll read a little of this and see if I like it. Started with Generation Next. I was hooked. So some of the, or our big four of our known X-Men in this point are Sean Cassidy Banshee, yep. Emma Frost, the White Queen, yep. Jubilation Lee, otherwise known as Jubilee, and Victor Creed as Sabretooth. Correct. Now, in this, we also meet a bunch of uh, a bunch of mutants that we hadn't met before or had only met a little bit who will wind up becoming Generation X. Yes. Led by... Emma Frost. So they're not on a team yet, so there's a whole bunch of newbies. So we're going to try and get through these a little bit faster. All right. So Sean Cassidy Banshee is on the X-Men, and I actually didn't put blue or gold on here. I think he was just kind of visiting for this. He was, Yeah, he was just sort of... Hadn't really been a part of the X-Men too much. Oh, that that's right. Not for a bit. Because mm-hmm, he'd been hanging out on Muir Island with his, his, his lady love. Mm-hmm. All right. So he has sonic abilities or acousticinesis. Yes, and by sonic abilities, um, Christy means that he can do a real cool loud scream, not that he runs very fast and collects gold rings. <laughs> um, he can also make a, a sonic shield. He can oh. he can fly with his sonic abilities. Yes, that one's never quite really made sense to me, but hey, what are you going to do? He can use it as sonar. That one makes more sense. <laughs> And he recently discovered a daughter he uh, that he had a daughter that he never knew about, uh, who uh, actually kind of comes up a little tiny bit in life science, uh, Siren, that he had with his deceased wife, Maeve. He recently rejoined the X-Men after taking a break to spend more time with his current love interest, Dr. Dr. Moira McTaggart. Also a very important X-Men character. We will talk about her in life science as well. Okay. Fun fact, Roy Thomas and Warner Roth originally planned Banshee to be female. But Stan Lee said female villains weren't as popular. <laughs> so Siren's depiction, his daughter, is what Banshee was originally intended oh. to be. So Roy the boy wanted to make yeah. Banshee a lady. Yeah. Mm. All right. Emma Frost. Yep. The White Queen. Gush away, Christy. So the team that she was last a part of was the Hellions. Um, but sad story there. They're all dead. Uh, yeah, they were killed by sentinels, right? Um, well, they were killed uh, when they teamed up with the X-Men to battle Trevor Fitzroy, the time traveler. Right. And this attack put Emma Frost in a coma, and she and Iceman swapped bodies. There's so um, much body swapping. Yeah. Emma discovered that her hellions had perished. It was a big ordeal. But basically, Emma Frost is a telepath. Has she always been a good guy? No. Uh, that was unique. 
We both knew the answer to that question. That was just for the readers. <laughs> <laughs> so she debuted as a villain, but she's she's been on both sides of the fence multiple times. Um, a lot of heel turns, a lot of face turns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So her abilities are uh, telepathy, and this story arc takes place before she develops any telekinetic uh, abilities or her second mutation, which is a diamond form thing that you may be familiar with. At this point, she's just a telepath. Yeah. And she has body swapped with three different X-Men, Storm, Uh Jean Grey, and Iceman. Man, is that a record? Probably. (laughs) All right. Jubilation Lee or Jubilee. Jubilation Lee or Jubilee. She was part of the X-Men, but she's been benched because she's too young. Yeah, because she's like a kid. Well, she's a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so she's got energy plasmoids or lumikinetic explosive light blasting. She makes fireworks. Basically, <laughs> they're energy globules. They, they, they vary in degrees of power and intensity. She can also make uh, psionic shields. So basically, she has natural defenses against telepathic powers. Oh, I didn't know that she could make psionic shields. Learn something new. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, Jubilee's been through some stuff. Her buddy, um, Ilyana Rasputin, died, but, well, uh, nobody stays dead in comics, but she died. Yeah. I don't... There is a current Ilyana. I don't know if it's the same one. Yeah, and that's Colossus's younger sister, and she's super bummed out that Wolverine has left the X-Men. Yeah, Wolverine somehow always has this thing where he's like a father figure to like young female mutants. Mm-hmm. It happened with Kitty and Jubilee, and then uh, they kind of tried to make it happen with a mutant named Armor. <laughs> uh, and Jubilee's also absolutely terrified of Sabretooth. Um she was, to try and get over this fear, like, she delivered him food while he was uh, imprisoned, and, uh, and but it doesn't work out so great. He taunts her, and he escapes at one point, and Jubilee's the one that takes him out with a neutralizing pistol. Uh, fun fact, Jubilee suffers from dyscalculia, an inability to complete any mathematical problems. Wow. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so... We got Victor Creed Sabretooth, who Jubilee is, we just established, is terrified of. Um, He is not on any sort of team. He is traditionally a bad guy. Yeah, he's... He's been on both sides of the fence. I think he's more bad guy than good guy, though. Yes. Even more so than, like, Magneto. Mm Mm-hmm. He's kind of similar to uh, Wolverine. He's got an unbreakable skeleton augmented by the Weapon X program, but it's not adamantium at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got the regenerative healing factor. He's, you know, super, super tough, strong. And he he's just a nasty boy. He's got claws and fangs. Yep. So... Why is he with the X-Men? At this point, we got some backstory. Sabretooth's partner, Birdie, was a telepath who, using her telepathy, could so- soothe his murderous rages by giving him the glow. So basically, she gave him, like... The equivalent of drugs in telepathic form to calm him down okay. and mellow out his rage. Uh, so it's a psychic sedative. And Bertie was murdered by Sabretooth and Mystique's son, Graydon Creed, after Graydon discovered Sabretooth was his father. Yes. So Bertie's death left Sabretooth basically murdery and ragey all the time. So he was looking for another telepath to replace her. All sorts of drama, X Men tracking him down all over because he's causing problems everywhere. 
And he decides eventually to come to the Xavier School because guess who's an awesome telepath? Uh, Charles Xavier. True. And so Professor X enters the astral plane to determine whether or not Sabretooth's worth saving, basically. And he allows Sabretooth to stay, basically imprisoned in the basement of the Xavier School. (laughs) And where they're going to work on his murderous rages. Yeah. They keep him muzzled and stuff. It's re- it's it's rough. It's weird. It's strange. <laughs> and he was originally an Iron Fist villain. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ha- Marvel's interesting in that way. Wolverine was originally a Hulk villain. You know, everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> These next folks really don't have much relevant backstory, uh, as we're mostly meeting them for the first time here. So we've got Mon- Monet Saint Croix, who I think it's maybe Qua. Qua. Monet Saint Croix. Yeah. But I say LaCroix. Yeah, but that's not right. Monet Saint Croix. Saint Croix. Croix. Yeah. Um, who actually you later find out is Claudette and Nicole Saint Croix. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. It's too much. It's too much. So she's not part of a team, as we already said, but she's got some superhuman strength, speed, endurance. She can fly. She's telepathic. She's telekinetic. Uh, she has, uh, well, in her current form, is capable of perceiving the auras of mutants. And we're not going to talk about the Gestalt form because that's just too much. Yeah, and most of her her powers don't actually crop up in this crossover. No. I think she does a big old punch. Yeah. So the fun fact here is that we weren't really going to get into was she's actually in this issue, um, her twin sisters. The real Monet is trapped in the body of... Like a creature. Of a creature named Penance. So that's a fun, kind of weird fact. A lot to get into there, but you don't really need to know it in the context of the Phoenix Covenant. Mm -hmm. So we also have a Paige Guthrie, who will become known as Husk. She's Cannonball's younger sister. Uh, recently discovered and manifested her powers during the uh, during Child's Play and helped the New Warriors and X-Force defeat the Games Master. Yeah. Uh-huh. So her powers... Are gross. Yeah. She sheds her skin. Mm-hmm. And she can be whatever new form or shape or like a... Or new, not, not a new form, but a new state. Um, so she can shed her skin and be metal or diamond granite or wood or rubber i've seen her do it and be acid so sometimes she can take on other kind of powers when she morphs like she can get really strong or fast or something like that as in her magma form she's been able to project flame but she just does a lot of like ripping her skin off mm-hmm. yeah uh so the guthrie family is huge we'll talk about it some later there are They're- a Mm-hmm. Samuel, Joshua, Melody, Jebediah, Elizabeth, Joel, Louis, Sissy, an unnamed sister, and a foster brother, Ray Jr. And there's sometimes, like, several drawn, but then, like, there'll be, like, a different amount drawn. It was very much ambiguous how many Guthrie children there were. A lot. So many. I, I think it was, I think it was a dozen, right? Yeah. That's so many Guthrie children. Mm-hmm. And I think their dad died, so it's just mom. <laughs> We've got Everett Thomas, otherwise known as Sink, and this is obviously his first appearance. He can sync his powers with other nearby mutants. He gets their powers, and he can track them, track their their 
auras, their biosignatures. Mm-hmm. So he's good at finding mutants, and then he can basically mimic their powers. Yeah, which is a pretty cool power. Mm-hmm. And we have Angelo Espinosa. Skin. Skin. He is, has extra skin elasticity, so it basically looks like his skin's melting. Yeah. He possesses between four and six feet of extra skin on his body. Yeah. He can wrap it. He can do all sorts of anything. Uh, he has high resistance to physical injuries. He can stretch. He can kind of shape shift with his skin. Fun fact, he sometimes claims his abilities are the result of a bite by a radioactive elephant. He's kind of like a, he has like a dry sense of humor. <laughs> all right. We got Clarice Ferguson or Blink. So if you've been watching The Gifted, yeah, you've kind of seen like a television equivalent. Yes. It, so she has warping teleportation. So she can generate teleportation warps. Uh, she can go as far as to the moon. And back? And back. Mm-hmm. She can also m- make her portals basically like javelins. Yeah, and... she can like throw them like yeah. little crystals. And fun fact, she was born in the Bahamas. Yeah. So definitely not like the, <laughs> the blink in the show. No, no. That wraps up Generation Next. So next up, Life Signs. Life Signs has an absolute ton of characters. We're not going to get into all of them because they are of much varying importance to this crossover. There's probably 10 or 12 characters. Right. So we'll talk about the big four and we'll also talk a little bit about Charles Xavier and... If we must. And uh, Dr. McTaggart because... They're, they're in there as well. Sure. So we've got Rain Sinclair, codename Wolfsbane. Yep. She's on X Factor right now. Correct. The, just kind of like a government team. Mm-hmm. And she has lycanthropy. She's she basically can... kind of like a werewolf. werewolf. Right. But she can't turn all the way human right now. Right now. That's not always the case, but that's the case right now. Yes. Super relevant backstory here. Her teammate, Doug Ramsey, was killed by bullets meant for her, and she blames herself for his death. Yes. It was a very sad issue of New Mutants. Now, probably one of the most favorite things that I discovered during my research was that in 1991, Rain was featured in a graphic novel titled Wolverine, Rain of Terra, where she took the place of an alternate reality version of herself, Princess Rain. Someone just came up with that pun and was like, it's it's story time. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't you? All right. So in The Failing Covenant, we meet Doug Locke, who is a combination of Doug Ramsey, who was, we previously mentioned, and Warlock. Yes. Who at this point are both dead. Yes. Warlock's ashes were sprinkled on Doug's grave. Mm-hmm. So Doug's power was that he had omnilingual translation. So basically he understands, like, he, he, he can, like, understand, like, any language. He's just great at deciphering codes. Yeah. Which actually makes him really good at computers and things in a way that wasn't actually super useful in this time. Because, it, you know, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have, like, the right. prevalence of, like, we, we weren't fully in, like, this huge digital age. Doug was killed off in the... in comics because people thought he was boring because he had language powers. You're taking my fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) But Warlock uh, was a techno-organic shape-shifting alien. He was delightful. Yes. 
So Doug Ramsey was killed by the animator, and Warlock was killed by Cameron Hodge. And the two had previously used a gestalt form combining their powers. So, yes, Louise Simonson, as Chris already said, killed off Doug Ramsey in part because the fans demanded it and the artists thought he was boring. Aw, poor Doug. Mm-hmm. He didn't deserve that. But good news, Louise Simonson doesn't kill anybody off unless there's a way to bring him back. Louise knows comics. <laughs> All right, so we've already mentioned a little bit Sam Guthrie because we talked about his sister, Paige Guthrie. And Sam is Cannonball, and he is on X-Force. Yep. And um, how invulnerable is he when he's blasting? Nigh. Nigh invulnerable when he's blasting. <laughs> so his blasting is thermochemical energy field propulsion. From like his from his waist down, so he just like shoots. Yeah, like he a ha- rocket. He has the ability to bodily generate thermochemical energy and release it from his skin. Yep. He has no real relevant backstory here, except that he and Rain were both part of New Mutants with Doug Ramsey. Correct. And Warlock. But he's a very good kid. Uh huh. He's the the oldest of the brood of Guthrie siblings. Yes, the mm-hmm. eldest Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Then we have Forge, who nobody knows his real name. I don't know. He's Forge. Yeah. Uh, he's part of X-Factor, and he is an intuitive genius. Yeah, he's like a super inventor. Mm-hmm. He can invent mechanical devices. He can perceive, basically, uh, mechanical energy and the kinetic and, like the kinetic and potential energy present in the components of a mechanical system. So he gets machines. He gets them real good. He gets them real good. Relevant to this is that he has an artificial artificial arm and leg because he lost his those limbs in the Vietnam War. He was a government liaison to X Factor before actually joining the team. Fun fact: Forge is also a shaman with high mystical aptitude. Like he's Native American. Yeah, he's got he's got spirit sight. Yes, but <laughs> yes, that's the kind of shaman he is. Yes. So, for the most part, he hasn't used these abilities in years, and he's out of practice with wielding them. So, basically, he's just good at machines right now. Yeah. He kind of gets this, like, magic versus technology thing, mm-hmm. it almost seems like, like a spirituality versus yeah. technology. I mean, he, he has the ability to steal and use other people's souls for his spells. Well, it doesn't but... come up as often as you do. <laughs> All right. So... Those are the big four players, but we are going to talk about Charles Francis Xavier, Professor X. He's the world's greatest telepath. The world's greatest... That's Batman. The world's (laughs) greatest telepath. And not any really super relevant backstory here, but Xavier's favorite book is known from the Extinction Agenda storyline to be T.H. White's The Once and Future King, which is a retelling of the saga of King Arthur. (sighs) He has a very inflated sense of self-importance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Professor X is a jerk, kind of. <laughs> Professor Xavier is a jerk. <laughs> uh, but it's important in, in, in the Phalanx Covenant, I guess, to know that he can basically send you messages in your mind anytime he wants to. Yeah. You know, you're just like, you're you're on the toilet. <laughs> Professor Xavier is like, to me, my ex And you're like, it's going to be a bit. <laughs> All right, and we also have Dr. Moira McTaggart, uh, maiden name Kinross, mm-hmm. and uh, she is not a mutant. Nope. 
Um, but she is one of the world's leading geneticists and possesses special expertise in the study of superhumanly powerful mutants. Right. Which is pretty important to the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Rain uh, was also Moira's ward. That is relevant to know. She was formerly romantic with Charles Xavier, mm-hmm. and she is currently romantic with Sean Cassidy, Banshee. Yes. Fun fact, she makes bad coffee. That's her fun fact? Mm-hmm. Professor X thinks she makes bad coffee. She showed up originally as, like, Professor Xavier is like, Moira's going to help us, like, watch the house. So she seems like like a <laughs> housekeeper for a bit. And it's like, oh, it turns out she's a genius. Mm. All right. So in the Life Signs lineup, we encounter X-Factor, uh, the X-Factor team. We mm. encounter X-Force, and we encounter Excalibur. So there's tons and tons and tons of X-Men in there. So X-Force is like the paramilitary team. Mm-hmm. They're like the, they're very 90s extreme. Right. Guns this is the, swords. this is the one that Cable founded. Right. It also is made up partially of members of the New Mutants who are like the yeah. teenage team. Yeah. Um, get Cannonball, Boomer, Siren, Warpath, Richter, Shatterstar. Yeah. Boomer. She was Boom Boom for a while and then went by Boomer. I think Boom Boom's a better name. I was going to say, thank goodness she transitioned to Boomer. Oh. oh. <laughs> People who don't listen to Christy, don't listen to her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So what are Boomer's powers? She makes bombs. Little time bombs. Mm-hmm. And she likes to tick them. She goes tick, 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 boom. Siren, we already talked about. She is... has psychic scream power. Mm-hmm. Psychic scream. She has she... sonic scream powers. Yeah, she, she's Banshee's daughter. She's kind of like Banshee. Yeah, she's Banshee. We powers. got Warpath. That's right. Warpath is a member of X-Force. What's Warpath do? All right. Warpath has all sorts of powers. He's like a tr- super tracker and he's got superhuman senses and agility and stuff. It's, it's, it's His powers to me seem somewhat ill-defined. <laughs> and we got Richter. He can make seismic energies. You know, the names tell a lot. Uh, Shatterstar. Uh, Shatterstar is an alien boy from another dimension and he has like... He's got a healing factor, and he's got better attributes than normal people, mm-hmm. and he's got a cool sword, several cool swords. Uh, he can also apparently move his organs around, <laughs> so if someone stabs him, he can move him out of the way. Uh, yeah, and then X-Factor is kind of uh, the government-sponsored Yes, X-team. it is very much like the, the government team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've got, you know, we got Havoc on that team. Cyclops', Cyclops brother. brother. Uh, yeah, Polaris is Havoc's, like, Magneto's girlfriend. daughter, too. And M- M- Magneto's daughter. Yep, she has magnetic powers, too. Strong guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a strong guy. He's a strong <laughs> guy. Wolfsbane, who we already talked about, and Forge, who we already talked about. And then we've got Excalibur. Yes. Uh, who, at this point, on Excalibur, we've got Nightcrawler. He can teleport. That's Kurt Wagner. He's a good boy. And he looks like a blue demon. Yes. Mm-hmm. We got Shadowcat, Kitty Pride. Yep, she can phase through solid objects, mm-hmm. and she's very smart. We got Megan. Megan is a is a shapeshifter, but it's like an empathic shapeshifter. She shapeshifts to be kind of what other people are looking for, but I don't know if that's necessarily a power thing or if that's just like a mental thing. Yeah. Because when she was a baby, she was cold and shapeshifted to be furry. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought she was evil because she was a furry baby. Mm-hmm. But she was just cold. Yeah. Put some clothes on that baby. I'm imagining our baby just being furry one day. He is furry. He is furry. 
We also have Captain Britain, who in this comic is called Britannic, who is Megan's boyfriend. Yep. He was once Captain Britain, but he is now known as Britannic. Captain Britain just kind of, he was like a strong guy. Mm-hmm. He had powers that I think were magic-based, but he's just, he's a very strong guy. And then we have Day Tripper. Who is Amanda Sefton, who is a, like a witch. So she's a magic user. She is, she at least was at one point mm-hmm. Kurt's girlfriend. So Excalibur, if you couldn't quite tell, um, is kind of like the European lineup. They're the silly of... team. Yeah, it, they, I don't know if they, they are at this point. I think they've moved a little bit out of their silly phase here, but that that's that's what they were supposed to be. Yeah, they're UK-based. They lived in a lighthouse. It was delightful. <laughs> so that wraps up the teams that we see in Life Signs. So this maybe went a little longer than we intended. Uh-oh. But... Gosh, now you know a little bit more about the X-Men. And if you already knew about the X-Men, maybe you didn't listen to this. But if you did, you must really love our voices and we appreciate you, reader. Oh, we are so gosh darn cute. (laughs) So hopefully with this knowledge under your belt, you feel a little bit more equipped to hear all about the Phoenix Covenant. Yeah, especially since we're going to release our final Sanction episode on the same day. Yeah, so you should be getting these two at the same time. Assuming, no, you should get these two at the same time. I'll be a good girl and make sure they all get edited. Chrissy, you're a very good editor. At the same time. So you're in for a treat for our final Sanction episode. We have podcaster and comic book writer Chris Sims joining us. Mm-hmm. So if you were thinking you were just going to listen to this Zero episode because you really like the X-Men and wanted to hear us talk about them, or you really wanted to hear us mess up the X-Men, you're going to want to stick around. Oh, man. Podcast Chris and Christy mess up the X-Men. <laughs> oh, I would be hilarious in that. I would excel. <laughs> Not only would I mess up the X-Men, I'd be the best messer up the X-Men. <laughs> I don't do anything halfway. Well, thank you for joining us. And you can always reach us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us on chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com. And please follow us, uh, rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever device that you, or whatever app you use to listen to us. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. If you do, we'll shout you out on the show. Yeah. So leave those five-star reviews so we can immortalize your words forever in audio form. Mm -hmm. And thank you for listening. And until next time... Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. Final Crisis, we have... Final Sanction. <laughs> Final Crisis is a different comic. <laughs> it is. That's a blooper you can put at the end. <laughs>